0: Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the feed hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a good episode. Uh, I always like it when Tony Peterson comes on because we we get to step away from the intense talk about deer hunting and we get to talk about let me just pull up a little bit about what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about uh having conversations about drugs with old women in steam rooms we're going to talk about, we are going to talk a little bit about some late season hunting. We're going to talk a little bit about stair-stepping your success and your expectations for Western hunts. Uh, specifically, my failure to find success um, when we're talking about my my mule deer hunting adventures that I've had. <laughs> we talk about, oh geez, Tony on his path to getting fired at Meat Eater, we talk. <laughs> we talk about um, drinking. We talk about oh, geez, just like so many things. So this and that's what makes these episodes so good, is they're just straight up BS with a little bit of deer hunting talk in it and the deer hunting talk is really good but i think by now most of you are coming to listen to the episodes with tony because it's just it's just it's just fun it's fun to listen to it's fun to take a step away from the the hardcore hunting talk and tony peterson is a really good guy he's really relatable and uh it's fun right so that's what today's episode is about uh it's about nothing really and just a little bit about deer hunting (laughs) so hope you guys enjoy it but before we get into today's episode man i'm going to run through the the partners of of the nine finger chronicles and we have the first one is tethered if you're looking for a saddle if you're looking for uh, climbing sticks saddle hunting accessories go check out tethered tethered uh very well-built quality products, but what makes the company the way they are, like a lot of the companies that uh, I do work with, that's the customer service and the support. Like if you go on their YouTube channel or to their website, you're going to see a lot of educational information uh, and content put out that makes you a better Saddle Hunter. So go check out Tethered. They got it all. Next on the list is my favorite broadhead. And uh, from like, I honestly, this has nothing to do with Wasp really, but Wasp broadheads. But I've started to educate my son about bands like Metallica. And dude, he is very responsive to their music. Like he, he actually likes it. Like my daughter doesn't like it at all. But my son really likes uh metallica specifically the song master of puppets and that's a very intense song also reminds me of wasp broadheads (laughs) so uh shortly i'll teach him about master of puppets first talk to him about metallica and then i'll start giving him the education about very well built well engineered Awesome customer service companies like Wasp. So, if you're looking for a good mechanical or a very good uh, fixed blade, majority of their heads are made in America. Definitely go check out WaspArchery.com. Discount code, where's it at? Discount code NFC20 for 20% off. Next, we have Hunt Stand. Hunt Stand, I mean, if you're looking to just journal absolutely everything and document everything, Uh, that you do out in the woods when you're chasing deer, hunt Stand is that place. You can organize your trail camera pictures. You can lay out your food plots. You can lay out like hinge cutting areas. You can document access routes. You know where your tree stands, your trail cameras are. You can document rubs, deer sightings, uh, all of that stuff. And so all of that information helps you uh, get more intimate information about the properties that you hunt. On top of that, they've just released their new uh, Pro Whitetail Upgrade. Uh, so go to HuntStand.com read up on the new Pro Whitetail Upgrade and also there's a ton of information on their website about how to how to use their their hunting app. So it's a big win over there at HuntStand. Last but not least uh, the Crew and the products over there at Vortex Optics, man, again, another company where the people behind the product really make it what it is. And so not only does Vortex offer just superb and superior optics, the customer service behind their products, their VIP warranty uh, behind the products, it's 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 a no-brainer, right? I always talk about people. Um, companies that are participants right not just a company that sells you a product and nobody that works for that product or that brand does hunting but i'll tell you this the guys that over there uh, over there at vortex they are serious hunters they are serious gunsmiths and serious uh you know shooting sports like just they participate in shooting sports they participate in in deer hunting and so when you have the that experience behind the products they can talk to you in detail about how to use their products in your specific scenario because more than likely they've been in that scenario so vortexoptics.com rifle scopes red dots spotting scopes binoculars and then of course the new range finder, let's see, the range finder is the Crossfire HD 1400. Absolutely love that. Uh, go check it out, vortexoptics.com. And that is the commercials. Let's get into a bunch of random conversations with Tony Peterson. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me once again, my esteemed colleague, Tony Peterson. Tony, how we doing, man?
1: I'm good, buddy. How are you?
0: I'm doing good, man. Doing good. I have a marriage question that I'd (laughs) like to ask you. That's how I'm going to kick, kick this off. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. So here's the question. This is no joke. Right before uh, I start recording this episode, I, I just got done with doing some data entry type work, went downstairs to go to the bathroom, get some fresh coffee and my wife, uh, my wife goes do you think I'm getting thicker uh, and so instantly I knew that was a trap right sure. and so yep. I was like like my brain my brain goes trap trap deck you know trap back up abort mission leave room you know like that and so so I had to come up with a way. And I said, man, your arms are looking really good. Cause she, she's in a fitness program. I'm like your arm and your upper back, man, they're, they're looking really good. So is that why you think that you're, you're, you're getting thicker? And she's like, well, and then I left the room while she was answering the question. (laughs) So I deflected. So my question is how do how does Tony Peterson handle those types of questions, like those questions from his wife?
1: Uh, man, if I see a trap coming like that, I'm like, yeah, obviously you got to shore that shit up.
0: <laughs> so you mean you just walk right into it and you, just, you hey, set it off. Into it. Listen,
1: <laughs> just lean into it. Don't play. it's been, it's been too many years. You don't get to play that with me anymore.
0: And that's what I said uh, to her. I go, is this one of those things where you saw yourself in the mirror today and now you're spiraling out of control? And she goes, yeah. Yes. And so then that's when I was just like, I'm out uh, there. You know, there, uh, there's no sane way or logical way for me to help you now. So I just remove myself from the situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you can tell when you uh, when when they want to get into a fight.
0: Yeah. I like your <laughs> I like your method, though, and just blow it the fuck up. And yeah, man, I, I man, I'm going to try that sometime. It's Like, of course. I mean, do you see how many uh, how many bags of chips you've gone through in the past couple of days? Come on. You know, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I could just see like, I don't know. I don't there when, a there's some vampire movie or, uh, uh, werewolf movies where you get to see the human turn into this werewolf. And sure. so it, it would be a little bit like that. I'm, I'm just guessing.
1: Uh, it would be, it may be similar. similar. Yeah, I could yeah. See that. Gotcha.
0: Cool. Cool. <laughs> Are, are you doing any Black Friday shopping, or are you a guy who waits for Cyber Monday?
1: Oh, my God. I don't. I hate shopping. I do, too. I hate shopping so much, and I'm in a house full of women who love to shop, and it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Uh, I I The only thing I might Black Friday shop for are some travel fishing rods, because the last time I went down to Florida, I broke two. And so I might do that. And even that I'm just, I, I'm, this is how lazy and bad I am. I look at that stuff and I'm like, I could get like 20% off or something, but I could just also just put it off and buy it at the last minute for full price. Yeah. And I don't know where I'll land on that.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's truly a flip of a coin. Yeah. Because I, I participated in a Black Friday event a handful of years ago with my wife. She thought it, I think my mom was in town and she was watching the kids and I can and she's like, Hey, you want to go out for dinner? And, and, you know, I'll go check out some of these deals. And I'm just like, eh, why not? I give it a shot. And sometimes you need to be reminded as harshly as possible to prevent you from doing something like that again. And what yep. I've, what I've realized is that America is screwed. Like our, our society is just like a cesspool. <laughs> like, it is, it, it, like the people that are out, uh, uh, like trying to get these deals, I think they're just bad human beings. <laughs> well,
1: that's definitely one way to frame it up, mm. I guess.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- man.
1: dude, I think this is going to be a weird transition here, but yeah. I think, uh, you should do stuff like that so you know. So I think even if you're like adamantly opposed to Black Friday shopping or whatever the the whole you know deep dive into rampant consumerism or however you want to <laughs> however you want to look at it. I think you should do it so you know. Exactly. I really do. I mean, I think it's the same thing like if you're going to sit here and shit on people hunting on, you know, automatic feeders in Texas, you should yeah. try it once.
0: Exactly. That way
1: that way you can shit on it and be like I know cuz I know.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey, I, I, I can talk shit on people who hunt Texas because I've been to Texas and I've hunted yeah, over a feeder. I did not like it. And now that gives me the right to talk shit as much as I want.
1: <laughs> I'm just buying myself a license to be an asshole. Exactly. That's, all
0: and that, that's exactly what voting is, you know, voting for a president. It's like I know people who bitch about uh, politics but don't ever vote. And yeah. I get mad when they bitch because I know they didn't vote. And so my wife was real close to not voting this year, but she bitches. Like, she is that person who watches Fox News and just is like, I can't believe this is happening. You know, like, that. she's yep. that person. and And she almost didn't vote this year. And I said, listen, if you are not going to vote, I am going to tell you to shut up. Every single time you get rolling here and she's like, well, I'm going to go vote. And then she finally went and voted. So, so now she has my permission (laughs) to, to complain as much as she wants about the state of America. She got a cheap license,
1: dude. I got, I was sitting in the steam room after a workout the other day and this, this woman we've, we've coached basketball with her daughters in the same grade as my girls. Yeah. She was in there. And so we started talking you have co-ed steam rooms. Yeah.
0: Dang, bro.
1: It's at the Y, dude.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have a steam room in my gym, but it's not co-ed. Yeah.
1: It's, it's- and all the old dudes are in there totally naked.
0: Oh, my God. I was That was going to be my next topic, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. No, we're all generally pretty closed okay. in uh, this steam room. But anyway, I was sitting there, and this woman, she owns a publishing company, and she's starting a podcast. And mm-hmm. so she's interviewing random people. And she was telling me about somebody she's interviewing who's done ayahuasca and a whole bunch of the kind of spiritual hallucinogenics that are all the craze right now. Yeah. And we were just chatting about that. And this, this older woman who was in there, she goes, listen, I don't mean to interrupt, but she said, I was watching Dr. Phil the other day and he was talking about all these edibles that everybody's taking. Yeah. And she's like, this is horrible. It's not regulated. And people are going to have these psychotic breakdowns. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, have you ever done them? And she's like, no. Like, I'm not going to do those. Like, on Dr. Phil, they were talking about how horrible they are. And so this old woman and I get into an argument, and the it ended with her walking out and me saying, I think you should be able to shoot heroin into your eyeballs if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but my point <laughs> was... you. <laughs> She doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. And I even told her, I was like, so do you drink? And she's like, well, yeah, we drink, me and my husband. And I was like, well, I can't drink because if you hand me alcohol, I'm going to do something really freaking stupid and dangerous. Yeah. But does that mean you shouldn't be able to drink? And she's like, well, no. I was like, okay, so you watched Dr. Phil and he said these edibles are bad. So now everybody shouldn't be able to do it because you have no freaking clue what you're talking about. So that was fun.
0: Yeah. I love people who put themselves higher than others. <laughs> and, and well, like they're really judgy and things like that. Um oh, I I will say this Tony, um I'm never going to do heroin and I will talk shit on everybody who does heroin.
1: Listen, <laughs> I probably will never do heroin. I like but
0: Astricks, there's always if a- <laughs> I'm like
1: 78 and I'm sitting there and somebody's like, "Hey, you want to try this?" I might just try it. Yeah. I'm not going to try it now. It's going to be a while, but if I dabble in heroin, it's going to be when I'm old and I don't give a shit
0: anymore. Okay, that's a good point. I mean, that's of all the times to dabble in one of the most addictive drugs that there is, I think that is probably the best time to do it when your chances of dying are just at their greatest anyway, even from like a slip and fall.
1: Well, that's what this woman said. I I was like, you should go try these and just see if this is a— if you've got the right take on this. And she's like, I'm too old to do drugs now. And I'm like, you're the perfect age. Nobody's going to arrest a 65 year old white woman for doing drugs. Like go nuts.
0: (laughs) Ma'am. Like ma'am, is this your cocaine? Yes, it is. Hey, you know, we say it like treating it like a kid hiding chocolate in their room. Right. (laughs) They just, you're going to get away with it here. I'll take it from you. You go on about your day. That's funny. I think,
1: I think she needs to go nuts, try some stuff out.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you this. Uh, when it comes to hallucinogens, I one time was on some poison ivy medication. And uh, it was. Hold on.
1: That is not where I thought that sentence was oh. going. <laughs> Speaking of hallucinogenics, one time I was on, fill in the blank, it wasn't going to be poison ivy no, medication. No. Like but
0: here's the kicker. So I was on some kind, of maybe prednisone or some kind of steroid uh, for poison ivy and then like I was just I had it all over my body I mean you name a spot or orifice and I had it in all in and around all of those places and so I was on that kind of medication some other medication that they they gave me I think it was just like to calm me down and then I started pounding Benadryl to try to, to stop it and I had some kind of chemical reaction in my body and I thought that I was living on a cloud. And my mom got so nervous and scared that she called 911 to see if she needed to bring me into the emergency room. Yikes. But I was having a good time. I didn't even have poison ivy if, at that point. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> uh, kind of.
0: Yeah. Where I, I I had poison ivy, but it didn't itch. I felt like I was living on a cloud. And I was like yeah. singing these Tunes like cloud, t- like if you were to live in a cloud, what kind of mu- imagine what kind of music would be playing like ultra relaxing? And I was just like singing these, and she got scared and called 911. But other than that, I've never really had a hallucinogen. I got really dehydrated one time and I thought I was going to pass out, but other than that, no real like I never experimented with any type of hallucinogens.
1: Well, I'm not. Endorsing this here, but I'm yeah. just saying, maybe give that a shot. You'll probably mellow it a little bit.
0: Yeah, you never know. When I'm 78, just like you, maybe we're maybe we're in a back alley together at that point in our life.
1: I would say that the future of our careers might end up with you and I doing drugs <laughs> in an alley somewhere.
0: And it may be sooner than 78, is what you're saying. Yeah. The way and, these and podcasts by that go. time,
1: Meteor will own every company in the outdoors. <laughs>
0: Medi- tell, them, like, I
1: remember when I used to work for them and they'll be like, sure, grandpa. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you were you were in early. Yeah, get a load of this guy. He's on crack. Uh, speaking yeah. of crack, I bet you, knew you Steve guys did not you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, no. <laughs> oh, shit, that's hilarious. Oh, so let's transition into the late season. Right? Or what do you call this time of year? Is is it late season yet? I call this pheasant season. Pheasant season. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did I tell you I got bit by a pheasant dog when I was in South Dakota? Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh, guy pulls. I was getting ready to make my trek into the public land. I was parked off the road. Another guy pulls up, and he did not have automatic windows in his truck, so he mentioned for me to open his door so i opened his door he had a dog pheasant dog sitting up in there and i go to reach in to you know you let the dog smell the back of your hand and the son of a bitch sure. bit me and so oh. i had i hadn't even hunted yet in this trip and so uh, i hunted for a day and a half spent the night out in, in the public and then the next day after my morning hunt had to drive an hour into rapid city and uh and, and get a tetanus shot and get mm-hmm. uh, some antibiotics and get my wound cleaned up. And so so
1: I have two questions. Yes. Was this dude driving like a model T? He didn't have automatic windows. <laughs> no, it was
0: like a, a 1998 Chevy something or yeah, Chevy short bed. It wasn't an S 10, but it wasn't a full. No, you know what? I think it was maybe like an old Ford Ranger to be honest with okay.
1: you. Okay. Uh, and what, what kind of dog was this? Uh,
0: it had long hair. It was a long-haired okay. dog. Um, little, s- little, smaller. Yep. Mm. Bouncy. Does that make sense? It was like it. it was it like an cocker spaniel? Maybe could have been. Yeah, could have huh. been. Anyway, so I get bit by this dog, and the only words that this came out of this guy's mouth is "Want a tissue?" <laughs> like I got bit r- real bad. I mean, I was bleeding for hours after that. Uh, I don't even know where to start yeah, with I, that. I thought about, like, ripping his dog out of his truck and punting uh-huh. him like a football. But then, like, the the pain made me skip the anger stage and go mm-hmm. right in, you know, okay, common sense says. And I, I didn't even get this guy's telephone number because I, so, I had a lot of guys online telling me, hey, dude, you need to get this guy's number to make sure this dog is up to date on all his shots and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And, and so they... That pretty much freaked me out to the point of having to go to the hospital.
1: That uh was the first thing that crossed my mind there. When you got a guy whose truck doesn't have windows that roll down, you might have a guy who hasn't taken his dog to regular vet appointments. <laughs> and you might get rabies and that's not good.
0: <laughs> and it all boils down to whether or not this guy has power windows in his truck.
1: It's i I'm just I'm just there's some correlation there's some correlation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm stereotyping here. I'm just saying, like, man, the guy who has that truck might not be the guy who's up to date on his dog's
0: vet appointments. Oh, man. The next time I and, see a truck with no powered windows or in that range where it, it, I'm just going to, like, stay away from me, sir. Stay away from me. And I'm not even yeah. going to approach the truck. I'm going to ask them to leave. I'll just be polite about it.
1: Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what happens Have you ever like really read about what happens when you
0: get rabies? Mm -mm. I heard, I heard maybe this is something different, but doesn't your blood like start to congeal?
1: Um, Nope. I think that's snake bites. But uh, what I, the way I understand it with rabies is you get to a point where I can't remember what the, what the term is. It's hypotoxic or something or hydrotoxic or something. But what it does is it makes water burn like intense, crazy pain. So if you can't drink, like you won't drink, your throat is like no way. Mm-hmm. This is that's why that's why like animals and people drool when they get rabies because they don't want to swallow
0: and they're and ultra they, angry because of that discomfort.
1: Super angry because of the pain and they're they're dying of dehydration. Gotcha.
0: So So from, I hope
1: that didn't happen to you.
0: No, it didn't. And I think I got, I got checked out before that. I, I, you know, I could already have rabies because I am a father of three and being a father of three is a lot like having rabies. You're just really mad all the time and frustrated (sighs) all the time.
1: Uh, True. But how's, how's drinking water? you doing okay there? (laughs)
0: Yeah. I'm well, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't burn intensely when I drink water okay. or coffee. So I don't think I have rabies, just anger issues.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we got that cleared up.
0: Yep. Yep. So what were we going to talk about?
1: Uh, late season hunting.
0: Okay. Do you want to derail one more time before? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Do I? Do I? <laughs> uh, let's see here. I do have a question for you. Um, you're out of state hunts, you know, because you went to South Dakota this year, right? Yep. Were you successful in South Dakota? Uh, nope. nope. I,
1: actually, I actually went twice. I went and filmed once, uh, got real close, had one encounter with like a uh, 130s type buck that he just broke a little bit of ways from us and didn't make that happen. then I went back for a short one for four days and in a different spot had like a 130s buck walk right up to me from the one spot. I was like, please don't come this way. And that was it. But it was a. Uh, I I've hunted South Dakota quite a few times, mm-hmm. and I got my ass handed to me this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just couldn't. I could find does no problem, and you know I passed up some little ones. But it was like mostly, I would I was just struggling to lay eyes on a buck.
0: Yeah, yeah. Were you in mule deer country at all, or were you more whitetailish? I was in.
1: Mostly whitetail country, but I was around some mule deer. Okay, um, I was I was focusing on whitetails, especially when we were filming, because it's just uh, I I don't handle spot and stock with a cameraman behind me very well. Yeah, and so I tend to go ambush if I have to have somebody over my shoulder. But I don't know. I just so yeah, I was mostly in a in a whitetail area, but I was kind of in the transition zone where there were some mule deer around.
0: Yeah, man. I shoot myself in the foot every year I go out into South Dakota because I say, I'm going to go chase mule deer. And then every time I get out there and I start putting myself into position to start doing the thing for mule deer, I start to see whitetails. And then I'm distracted because I see some decent whitetails. But then I go and I get close to them and I'm just like, eh, I changed my mind. I want to be a mule deer hunter now. You know what I mean? Like, yep. What kind of advice would you give me to, to clear that up? Um,
1: I would just make the call on whether I'm going to go spot and stock for mule deer, or I'm going to dedicate myself to a whitetail hunt. Cause they're different things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they just are like your, your mindset and everything. And, uh, you know, the, like what you're talking about there, the worst hunts I've had, I shouldn't say they're the worst, but the, the ones where I'm just like, mostly like, don't feel like I've got a good path are like that, yeah. where I'm like, oh, should I be spotting and stalking and glassing these freaking coolies, or should I get down to that river bottom and saddle up for a whitetail? It's like I kind of got to just pick one or the other, or I can't do either one very well.
0: I think that's where I'm hurting myself, because I've been out to South Dakota for four years in a row now, and it's almost like I make a plan and then sabotage it, and then yeah. what I'm really do- doing is wasting time. And, dude, I just, I need to get, I need to, it's almost like I need somebody else with me that that's there and we have a united goal. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, our goal is mule deer on this trip. We are going to stay in mule deer country uh, unless we are two days out. And then we can start maybe thinking about something different. And I just, I always am like, oh, cool. Well, look at how look at all these whitetails down here and that's a that's a really good buck for this area you can find i feel like you can find r- better whitetail bucks in those crossover areas where there's both mule deer and whitetails than you can really good mule deer bucks and so you I know why know. that is why is that well I, th- my theory is because there's so much
1: focus on mule deer you know, I mean, if you if you take somebody who you know, and South Dakota's right on the edge, right? But yeah. a lot of people there kind of identify as Western hunters. Yep. And it's you know, especially when you start getting out toward the Black Hills, and the the premium on mule deer is just different than whitetails. Yeah. You know, there aren't there isn't the focus there, and I think sometimes they just get overlooked.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so too, and I think that's why there's in those places where there's overlap, and I'm not saying the crop fields the pivots, the, you know, like where there's what I mean by really good whitetails that would compare to, I don't know, the Eastern side of the state, Eastern side of the states like Nebraska, um, North South Dakota, along the Missouri river Valley, that, that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about where the deer, the there's big mule deer to be found somewhere, but people aren't going to. Use their tag for that that whitetail. They want to use it for a mule deer, and so yep. I don't know, man. It, it's uh, it's hard to say. Hey, this is a a good caliber. And when I say good caliber, I am talking about like a, a one hundred and twenty inch, one hundred and fifteen yep. inch, one hundred and twenty inch whitetail. Yep, which is a good deer. Exactly, exactly. And I literally put two of them to bed and then walked away from them. In one of them might have even been. I think he was a ten. He was a 9 or a 10, but I'm guessing high 120s, low 130s caliber buck. And I just, I watched him bed in some tall grass. I could have put a stock on him. I had the wind and I just walked away from him because I changed my mind in the middle of a hunt that I want, I wanted to go shoot mule deer. Stupid. Like I I just, and these are the, these are the internal debates that I have all the time. Yeah.
1: I think maybe what you should do is instead of focusing on one or the other, you should say I'm going out and every, every decent buck, regardless of species that gives me a stockable opportunity, I'm going. Cause I mean, you know, if you get six, seven, eight stocks in a week, you might get within bow range or want to get your shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, let me, let me ask you this. When, when a guy like myself, and I'm only, I'm only like a total, and I don't mean five years in a row, but a total of five years going on out of state deer hunts. Not, and I'm not talking about the elk hunts that I've been on, but deer hunts. What do you think would be a good stair step for someone in my position, where I only hunt whitetails? I, I'm considered an eastern hunter. Uh, with the, you know, only hunting whitetails, I want to expand to a different state that has both mule deer, uh, you know, uh, options and whitetail. What do you think a guy should shoot for first? And I know this is a loaded question, but like any deer out of state or maybe just going after a mule deer in, mule, in a mule deer scenario where maybe there's less whitetail Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC.
1: Um, I think the first thing you got to do is recognize that your Iowa success doesn't translate to the next date over. Absolutely. And, man, I, I run into this with people. I don't know why this is, but maybe it's maybe there's a bias somewhere in the in the demographic of hunters who are going to travel to hunt who are maybe just view themselves as more skilled or whatever but i i don't know how many people i've talked to who go on a spot stock mule deer hunt with a bow and their standards are so high and you know they're going they're not they're not drawing like an uh once in a lifetime nevada tag or something you know what i mean like they're right. going to do the hunt you do
0: yeah
1: or you know a north dakota hunter or whatever and You know, it's like, it's like, just like casually, oh, you know, I'd I'd like a nice 140, 150, something like that. And I'm like, by doing that, you're saying I'm going to stalk maybe a couple times in a week, maybe. And what you're going to do is not kill one because you're not going to get your chances. And so it's the same thing with, you know, you you had elk hunting and you grew up in Iowa or Minnesota or Pennsylvania or whatever. And you're like, I'm going to go to Colorado elk hunting. It's like, if you go to Colorado elk hunting on an over-the-counter unit and you're not open to shooting every illegal elk that you could possibly get near, you're in real trouble. Yeah. Like, re- cause it's not, it's just not going to happen. And so I, I always start like when people are like, I want to go on my first mule deer. I'm like, I would really, really consider stalking every illegal deer you can. Yeah, And it, you know how it is when you get out there, if you're like, I'll shoot a spike on up to a 300 incher a lot of times you just have as good of an opportunity to shoot a good one as a little one, Yeah, you know, but you need all of those little things to break your way to get close enough to make that happen. And spawning and stalking is freaking hard, man. It's fun, but it's a low odds deal, you know? So I, I look at like when you're, when you're getting into it, I, I'm like, man, forget the trophy stuff. Just go where opportunities are. Yeah. You know, and sometimes sometimes you'll find those situations where you're like, my tag's good for either. And so you can go uh, spot and stock in the mornings for mule deer, try to put one down that way, and yeah. then go sit, stand in the evening for whitetails. Yeah. You know, or, you know, like if you're out there and you get on a little wad of mule deer and you got something going on, it's like, okay, I'm just, this is what I do today.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because here's one thing that I've I've found out about those areas where mule deer and whitetails live, and that is I have better success locating uh, mule deer in the mornings, and that's usually in the uh, the September uh, early October time frame when I go, and yep. and whitetails are moving in the afternoons more, and it's almost reversed when. You know, you say, dude, I I hardly see any mule deer in the evenings, and but I see a lot of whitetails, or I don't see any whitetails in the morning, and I, yep. I, I see a ton of mule deer. So, maybe I need to almost approach it like, hey, dude, why don't you hunt one species in the morning and one species in the afternoon? Do you think that would end up shooting a guy in the foot?
1: No, I do that a lot. Yeah, and the other thing that I would say on this is, you know, if you if you draw that tag and you plan a, a westernish type of hunt like this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're like, I'm going to go spot and stock one, and then you get out there in September and it's 90 degrees and there's no wind and everything's dry, and you're like, holy shit, I'm not going to get anywhere near one. No, now what? You know, so if you go if you go and you're like, I'm open to whatever i have to do to get one and i'm open to mule deer and whitetails now you have options i mean you might get out there and for two days have horrible stalking conditions but they're great for setting up on a water hole to shoot a whitetail or you know you might get out there and the wind's blowing 40 miles an hour and you're like i don't want to sit in a tree but i could if i can lay eyes on a deer that's going to lay down in front of me i'm going to get on them yeah you know, and i I think we you know, this is like that that country that you're hunting, and a lot of the mule deer country I've hunted. That breaky stuff, yeah. You know, that's something you see with people that's like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go glass them up from a point. I'm gonna bed them down. I'm gonna plan my route. I'm gonna go in there like Randy Almer and I'm gonna shoot them. And it's like, you know, this isn't a Colorado high country basin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not.
0: They just disappear, deer, man. They just disappear all straight up
1: the freaking time. Like, it's not it's not your traditional mule deer hunt where you're going to go out there with a spotting scope and just pick one up and watch him till he lays down in the sage and go shoot him. Like it's, yeah. it's a different thing. And you have to like be prepared for that and understand, you know, like I, I'm, I'm really starting to look at this stuff. Like what, what are the positives that I have going on these kind of hunts? Cause we always focus on the negatives. Right. And so right. you look at that and go, well, a negative would be, I can't just post up, and always glass one until he beds, because he's going to drop into the first little drainage, and I'm going to lose him. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's all kinds of folds and different terrain. But at the same time, if you can get somewhere where you can pick one up in one of those, even if he's still on his feet, in one of those kind of breaky, cooly type of things, now you might have a way to just get ahead of him, and he's going to feed into you. Yeah. Or you might see a place where you can you can sneak into some brush and waylay him tomorrow when he comes back. You know, I mean, like. There's a lot of things like that that we don't really, you might not recognize until you're in the moment yeah. and you just, you don't want that to be too late. So if you go out with the mindset that I might have to get into a tree to kill one, I might have to crawl up to kill one, I might have to, you know, bury myself on the side of a hillside and shoot them as they come drop down into the valley or whatever, like at least you're sort of in the mindset where it's like, whatever I got to
0: do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and so I reached out to some guys who are fairly decent mule deer hunters this year. And so obviously, I mean, this is a no brainer. I can get up on a point. I can put the spotter up and I can locate deer. And I even located some good mule deer this year. Then I made the moves. So i I basically watch them until they disappear. Right. And so then what I would do is I'd make a move over to another ridge That was in line with the terrain that I could see them in, in hopes of, I don't know, identify, like, uh, you know, finding where they've bed down or where they went in to hang out. And the frustrating part for me is the terrain out there is so misleading because you take 50 yards, you go 50 yards and it is, it opens up another Canyon in another crevice and eight more crevices coming out of that crevice. You know what I mean? And it's just that terrain is so good at masking itself that these deer have hundreds of escape routes and, and you literally have to get lucky almost. And this is in my opinion, because I'm, I'm in, I'm not in the good enough to, to figure it out stage yet of mule deer hunting, but get lucky and just be like, okay, here's one that I just located. You know, I, you know, from bedding, I just located it. And so yep. while it's bedded and I, you know, get lucky watching them lay down and it just did, not it just did not happen this year.
1: Well, um, one of, one of my buddies from, uh, Minnesota here is a wildlife photographer named Bill Marshall. And I was, he used to hunt in North Dakota where I hunt a lot. And I was just talking to him about it. And he said, he, he told me and I thought this was so smart. He's like, you don't go out there and spot and stock. You go out there and stock and spot. And I'm like, man, that makes so much sense because if you sit way back and glass like what you're talking about, it's tough, man. You're going to mostly lose them. But if you kind of get in there and you're like, okay, I'm going to go a little bit bonsai here and get into some of these draws and stuff. Yeah, I'll probably bump some deer and get spotted. But I also have a chance to pick up that buck that's 200 yards away that I would have never seen from my glassing point. And he he might give me something. And so you kind of – You know, there's a a bigger risk on the front end, but the reward is you might find yourself, you know, in a really stalkable situation on a deer that just would not have been, you know, entirely visible from like a traditional mule deer hunting spotting perspective.
0: Yeah. And then then you start to do the calculations on some of these places where I was at where, okay, I was three and a half miles in already from my truck. Okay. And... Some of that distance was covered in an e-bike this year where I was, I had the ability to use an e-bike, but then from cert, a certain point on, it was nothing, you know, it was foot traffic only. Yep. And so then I'm another mile and a half uh, in or something like that, or, or two miles in. And so then I, I start, you start watching these deer go over a ridge that is a half a mile away, knowing that they're probably going to be two ridges over by the time you see them. And now you're like five miles away from your truck or even longer and you're just like holy cow at some point there has to be a a cutoff in the distance because um I've uh, heard some guys out who you know they're like dude we're in real good shape we're going to go out as far back as humanly possible and go get it done and and you killed your elk this year at you said 6 miles from the truck yep right yep. and so to me that's crazy and there's guys out there going <laughs> going 10 miles you know in certain scenarios do you like how close were you in that elk hunt to saying dude we're 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 too far back at this point
1: uh i don't say that yet okay i don't i mean i i don't i don't mean to sound like a prick there but like i work out a lot yeah and i i'm just you know when you're, when you're hunting the situations that we're hunting, if you're on public land and you're in that situation, listen, you might kill one close to a road, but like, it's just not, I I never count on that. And so I look at a mule deer and I go, okay, if I get in and I'm hunting solo and I kill one five miles from my truck, even a really big mule deer, that's two, two pack outs. Yeah. And, and you know, like that, but you bought the ticket, man, take the ride. And so and I'm not going to say it's easy. I mean, I that, that elk hunt, when we, we were packing that bull out, that was as, the most tired I've ever been in my life. Like, I still – so I killed that bull on, like, I don't know, September 6th or something. I still have, like, permanent bruises on my hips from the from my pack. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's no joke. But I look at that and I go, sometimes you just got to get in there – that far yeah. and then once it happens it's like okay it's a suffer fest but like that's what you're there for you,
0: you know because i'd hate to be 78 doing heroin in the back alley of a, of a <sighs> drug store and and then go to myself dude i wish i would have went one mile deeper you know what i mean
1: well i mean think about it. it if you if you're out there and you've already done three or four miles another mile i don't know Like who gives a shit, you know, and if you have cool temperatures and you have time packing out, I mean, I I really, I'm, I'm to the point now where I pack out, if it, if it's legal and I shoot a deer somewhere, I'm almost guaranteed to pack it out. Like just because of where I'm hunting and what I'm doing. And once you get that process down, it's like, okay, so let's say you've got five miles to go and you know, it takes you, you you can average like three miles per hour or two miles per hour. You're still only like a half day to get out, Yeah. you know, like, or, or less. And it's like, I don't know. I just think it's freaking worth it. And so I I don't know, but I I also really advise people to like understand, you know, if you're going to go do something like that, you should understand like how good the shape am I in and how, like, how likely am I? to want to do that part and yeah. if you're like i don't really want to freaking and carry one out for five miles then find one closer to the road yeah you know or or find one more on the level or whatever but i just you know i, I was thinking about this a lot i don't know if i'm going to write about it or not but like we we kind of sell this image of people like the the andy mays and the zach farenbaugh's of the world is like they have this the deer thing just figured out right Like they're just on a different level or something. But really, the secret to those guys and a lot of the big buck killers, and especially the Western hunters too, is they are really disciplined in their life with physical fitness and that kind of stuff. And it just bleeds into everything. So if you can, you know, if you can go get your ass in really good shape, you're probably going to be pretty good at like, you know, staying on the e scouting and that, you know, the in person scouting and like, putting in the effort and you know everybody's looking for this like this like strategy that's going to be like yeah. oh, okay now if you employ this strategy you're always going to kill big bucks yeah like, that's not how it works like these people have a secret that you you're not really acknowledging and i think we kind of like shoot ourselves in the foot over that because it's like uh it's something you can't divorce from those guys who are really successful yeah like they all have it
0: yeah i 100 percent agree i i actually texted because uh I don't know if he was in North Dakota or South Dakota, but anyway, Andy May, he was, was yeah, yeah. And so he was in a different part of the state than me, but he, so when I texted him and I asked him what he's seeing, he's telling me the exact same thing that I'm seeing. The only difference is, is that he was just at it all day long. And he, he just went through the terrain with a fine tooth comb until he found something. And that's, Straight up honesty That's something that I did not do And uh, that it was a Honestly it was a big learning Like a, a learning moment for me Where I'm not doing enough And I need to do more
1: Well, I mean, Andy's a good example of that because it's, like, the time that you spend out there is, like, you can't replace it. Right. You know? Like, I, I've got, uh, you know, I've got buddies who are, you know, they love to till hunt or whatever, but they'll go out, and it's, like, an hour and a half before sunset. And I'm, like, you're too late. <laughs> like, yeah. you're too, or, you know, if you're only sitting for, like, two hours in the morning, you're missing so much uh you know not only just like in the interest of killing shit but just in the interest of like seeing that buck at ten o'clock in the morning or noon yeah. or you know like you said with Andy like picking up that bedded buck in those you know deep draws when the wind's just smoking and it's noon, and all of a sudden you see that glint off the antlers or whatever like he's in the game when most people aren't,
0: yeah, yep that's a fact that's a fact i just I just need to stop being such a a puss to be honest with you I need to. <laughs> I need to stop watching nature and just be a killer.
1: Well, I mean, when you think about like going on a hunt like that, I, I I've really come to this probably in the last like seven or eight years where when, when I go on a trip, like you're talking about in South Dakota, I don't have anything else to do. Right. So I'm just like, I'm just going to be out there. And I even, my early season hunts now, I I mostly hunt all day. I might switch locations, but I mostly hunt all day because I'm like, okay, I can go back to my tent and try to take a nap or whatever, or I can just stay out here and hunt. Yeah. And if you just have that mindset, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of your listeners probably gun hunt too. You know, I'm sure you got a ton of bow hunting listeners, but like the, the thing that I see with gun hunters and I'm totally stereotyping here, but I don't care is like, you know, you do the same thing every year, the same thing every day of the season. And it's like, you go out and you know, not really worried about your presence because you're hoping that somebody bumps a deer by or whatever. And you're out of the woods at nine 30 in the morning and back at the shack watching football or whatever. And I'm like, you know, the, the most basic way to become more successful at hunting is just to do what other people don't like. It's, it's really that simple. And so sometimes, you know, if you look at, let's say you got a long weekend for opening weekend and you're going gun hunting. If 93% of the hunters out there go back in for lunch and you don't, And you do that for three days, you might have one chance in the middle of the day where those deer know, like, man, there's a little window here. I'm not hearing them. I'm not hearing the four-wheelers, like, where you can kill one. Yeah. And, you know, none of this is a guarantee, and it's easy to talk yourself out of it, but that shit is like a difference maker.
0: Right. Yeah, it is. It is. Time in the field. Bring my snacks with me. And, you know, if I got to take a little bit of a, a cat nap during the day, you know, get under a shade, you know, in a bush or something like that, snooze for a bit and then keep going. Yep. So, so you also mentioned that, uh, here pretty soon you right today or tomorrow. You're going to start sighting in a muzzleloader. I'm going to
1: head out today and sight in my muzzleloader. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually very excited
0: for that. Okay. Why are you very excited about sighting in a mu- muzzleloader?
1: Uh, because I haven't muzzleloader hunted in quite a few years. Um, and part of that is because this year with the way my schedule worked out, I've only hunted Minnesota three days and that was for one week in November. So I still have a buck tag, which never happens for me in the late season here. And I'm just kind of working on some public land in Western Minnesota where I, you know, got my ass handed to me in the beginning of November, but I was just out there pheasant hunting. And one of the spots that I scouted a lot and hunted a little bit I jumped two pretty good bucks right where I was hunting and I'm like, man, I just, I just missed it. Or it just didn't work out for me. And I just love the idea of having a little extra firepower and getting right. to go down there and just look around and just, you know how it is. Like, man, I, I have only gun hunted like a little bit in my, in my life. Like I've killed a handful of deer with a rifle and I don't know, maybe like 20 of them with a muzzleloader in my entire life. And I just like, switching it up sometimes. Like I'm just excited to have a freaking scoped loader And I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but it's going to be Minnesota or Wisconsin or both. And I'm just kind of excited to hunt.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm actually excited for this late season as well. Uh, because for the first time in a long time, I, I always tell this story where I had a property, that property held deer in the, uh, like after the, the big push of gun season, because the combine was such a piece of garbage, it would leave a lot of grain waste in the um, fields. The farmer upgraded to a new combine, no grain waste in the field now. And uh, so it, it literally changed the farm late season. and once once deer were pushed out from the gun season, they just wouldn't come back because there's no like there's no food there, really. Yeah. And so I'm excited about this late season because I'm hunting. Next to a farm that I th- has standing corn and it looks like it's going to be standing f- all like for the rest of the year, for the rest of the, the, the season. Even if it's not, it's still, in my opinion, could be a, a good food source for the, the late season. And so, I, dude, I, I just have this gut feeling that the deer are going to, during the gun season, flood into this farm because there's no pressure, I'm the only person who hunts, and I don't shotgun hunt, and yep. and so once that's over, all the pressure surrounding it could there could be some muzzleloader hunters, but all the pressure around it's gonna quit, and then that's when I jump in and get in into this bed to food pattern, and I just really I, like for some reason my gut is telling me that it's gonna it's gonna be a fun late season hunt
1: big time I mean even if they get it picked they probably won't get that field chisel plowed
0: right right I mean it's I mean we've we've already had several uh days maybe even weeks of below freezing temperatures here in Iowa and so yeah I mean barring some thaw which would just turn things to mud it's not yep. gonna like if it's in the field now it's probably gonna be I don't know they might combine it but they may not, you know, do like turn, turn the soil over. Yep. So yeah, that, that'll be huge.
1: I mean, yeah. it's, it's been crazy, hasn't it? We were, we were pheasant hunting last week and we were, we crossed one of the rivers there like 10 times one day on this property. And there was, you know, the first time was a little sketchy cause I'm like, man, this is pretty early to be walking on ice. Yeah. But You could get out there and see it was so, it was so clear. The ice you're like, man, there's like five inches of ice on this river already. Yeah. It's wild.
0: Yeah. That and it's probably low water temperatures any, or low water levels anyway coming off the summer. Super low. Yeah. And so if you fell, yeah. you're probably not falling too terribly deep. in in. Uh, <laughs> and that was the end of Tony Peterson. <laughs> I wouldn't
1: say that. Uh, I would say if we had either one of us had fallen through there, it
0: might be. Uh, funerals
1: pretty rough <laughs> we might have made it out
0: right <laughs> that's oh. funny oh man i tell you what uh one of the first times i ever went uh next time you see mark you'll have to ask him this i went shed hunting with uh mark i brought him down to iowa and we crossed uh we crossed a, a creek and i see him walking across this creek it's like it's a big creek slash small river and all of a sudden i hear ice crack and just like a splash and I couldn't see him. And I'm just like, Oh shit, where did he go? But he, there was a, a stack of trees that were down. So it just, it, he went all the way up to his knees only. But I thought I, we lost Mark. Like he's gone. He's under the ice. And I was like, I was franicky for just a little bit. And then finally he steps up and uh, I got up on bank and, and uh, <laughs> I made fun of him for a little bit because of that.
1: Um, you know, just the totally uh, selfish reason here, but you can keep taking Mark on thin ice if you want, because I'm pretty sick <laughs> of being the low man on the totem pole at Meat Eater and getting all the non-hunting camera guys and shit. So feel free to take Mark out onto the thinnest ice you want.
0: The non-hunting camera guys?
1: <laughs> what? Yeah. What's that mean? That means camera guys who don't know how to hunt.
0: Okay, so th- what, are, what are they doing up there like playing Game Boys?
1: No, 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 no. What I mean is, so, you know how it is, right? Like, you can get somebody running a camera who's really good at running on a camera but has never hunted or doesn't, you know, bow hunt or whatever. Or you can get somebody who's a pretty good hunter who can also, like, passively run a camera. Yeah. And that's kind of how it goes. But rarely do you get somebody who's, like, real good with a camera and pretty savvy with the deer. Yeah. And, you know, so those those guys are pretty rare and Mark always throws a fit and gets them. And so then everybody else is like stuck with the guys who are like, yeah, I've been on two rifle hunts out West yeah," and, and you're in a little whisper shouting match at the base of your tree. Cause they've got a puffy jacket on and they're tangled up in the tow rope and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man, depending on time of year, if, and, and these guys all get paid. So if you're looking for a camera guy, hit me up, Next time, and if meat eaters are gonna pay me to go film <laughs> someone, I might as well film you.
1: They don't. They don't let me pick. Oh, remember? Yeah, I'm too low on the total.
0: Oh, bowl. yeah, you have no say. Yeah, okay. none. Yeah. Well, dang, none. dude, sucks to be you. Uh, you should. We
1: should also. Hey, we should also say that you should actually be pretty careful on thin ice because when you fall through and you can't touch, it
0: sucks. Yeah, I believe it. I, that, yeah, that's, it o- me. that's only happened to me. One time and the, I fell through all the way up to my chin, but then the current caught me like Mm -hmm. it caught my, and so when the ice broke, it broke like a really big area out. So it wasn't too terribly thick. Like if it was thick and I fell through, man, I would have been in trouble. But the whole area, like as I'm starting to go downstream, the ice was still kind of like breaking I was able to like smash it out and I was chin deep without my feet touching and then finally I came up on a sandbar and got stable and then I could stand up up to like oh my belly button area and then had yeah. to like hammer fist my way to the uh, and that was that was a really scary moment yeah it changes your priorities doesn't it oh dude dude but I was after I got out, I was just pissed because I had to go back to the truck instead of go check this trail camera that I was trying to check. And yeah. uh, oh well, I'm still alive today. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I, I fell through one time pheasant hunting and I couldn't touch, and it was a it was an eye opener for me. Dang, big time. Then they, I mean, we dude, we fall through all the time, but it's always like you know knee to like waist deep. Yeah, because you're just you know, and it's like just like a part of the thing, but the one I was out there one time by myself and fell through and I couldn't touch. And that was a that like narrows your focus pretty damn quick.
0: Yeah. You should write an article about ice safety. Uh,
1: I guess I could (laughs) (laughs) read it and he'll be safe. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want that. So
0: you're literally hoping somebody at meat eater dies so you can advance in the company. (laughs)
1: does That's that make the
0: me o- a bad person no does, is that the only way you can advance <laughs> it, it sounds like Listen, game of thrones over there it it might be man <laughs> there's
1: there's like 12 reminders a week where i'm like oh yeah this is me like <laughs> i yeah it's funny but also partially because i partially okay because i'm like i don't i'm not entirely sure anybody remembers i still work for them
0: <laughs> so there's so. there's no expectations for you um, yeah. <laughs> but anytime there is a, there's a big meeting, like all these, this sounds bad. All these younger guys with less experience are being like, actually, Tony, this is how you hunt deer.
1: Oh my God. I don't <laughs> want to even talk about it. I don't want to talk about what it's like to be me talking <laughs> to a bunch of young Western hunters about the whitetail market.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Okay, well, let's not talk about it then. Even though there's a part of me that just wants to get you fired up until you break <laughs> and ruin your career.
1: Listen, it's we'll do that. As soon as I get fired, we'll do that.
0: <laughs> but you got to wait to get fired first.
1: Yeah, but it's coming. Yeah. So,
0: don't worry. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, <laughs> at least you're honest with yourself, right? Again, no expectations. Yeah. Cool. That's yeah. that might be my motto for 2023. No expectations. Yeah, no expectations. Low standards. Low standards. No expectations. Do you? Uh, is it too early to start talking about um, uh, New Year's resolutions? Uh, no. Do you have any? Are you a resolutions guy? Nope. You nope. know what I
1: do every year, though. What? The only thing I do is I set a number for how many miles I'm going to run.
0: Okay. Have you and, hit that?
1: Uh. I haven't hit it this year yet. I will. Um, I don't know what my number is going to be next year, but that's the only thing I do. And for some reason, I don't know why, uh, it works for me. If I'm like, I'm doing a thousand miles this year or I'm doing 700 or whatever, I, I, I don't know. It just works. Like, I just, I have to stick to it. It drives me
0: crazy. Yeah. So two years ago in June, I made like a decision that I'm gonna take, like, excuse me, I'm gonna take working out more serious, okay, and and consistent. Because what I used to do was work out a whole bunch, then slide off, then work out a whole bunch, then slide off, and just yo-yo, okay. And so now I I am I'm I'm more consistent in my uh, in my my workout routines. And so what I've done in the past year is tried workout routines, tried these things that like, dude, my, my right knee is garbage. Okay. And so any real side to side type jumping around just does not, it sucks. I have to be going straight or back. (laughs) Right. And so, there's not a lot of, you know, I've started to stretch a little more, um, things that are supposed to help it out. It's just, it's just a garbage knee. Anyway, what I'm getting at is I've now I've hit this routine within the last six months where that inflation in my knee, uh, or in, not inflation in inflammation. <laughs> yeah. Inflammation. Thanks a lot, Biden. Uh, <laughs> uh, that inflate that in-, in-, in inflammation in my knee um, is reduced by doing certain things and not do- doing certain things. So I'm on a real good roll right now, and I'm putting some pretty heavy expectations on myself. Even though I said no expectations, I'm I'm putting some some pretty heavy goals on myself between now and next summer. That I, I kind of want to accomplish, and that's just like, just work out as much as possible, and, and because I, you know, at our age, dude, I'm telling you this: if you're feeling like shit, working out hard, and for me, sitting in a steam room or a sauna, it just makes me feel better. Period.
1: Yeah. Well, because you're you're addressing that inflammation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm the same way. I need. I need to do it. Otherwise I'm just a crabby asshole who doesn't feel very good.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I I've got this routine down. Uh, it, it's, I'm in the process of getting it right now is just this. It's weird. Uh, end of one set of, uh, kids events into the next one with the holiday season. Uh, but after, after Thanksgiving, it's, I'm going to be able to now get into the routine, get, Uh, My my times and dates and meetings and and workout, everything's scheduled. So I'll be being more consistent. And, you know, all these people out here, you know, like whenever, you know, whenever the the person Cameron Haynes gets brought up. Right. Oh, dude, you don't need to run 100 miles to do this. No, you don't. Right. But I will tell you this. uh, Cameron Haynes is traversing the mountainside better than your fat ass. And so, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I am 100% in like, you want to go longer, you want to go deeper, you want to go harder. (laughs) That sounded bad, but, um, uh, want all those things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, working out and getting your heart rate up in a major way definitely helps, helps with that. And I can remember going on some of my first Western hunts in Colorado or even out West in even one year in Nebraska out in the sand hills where I was struggling, man. And I, I, I thought I was doing it right, but I'm, I'm not. So the diet, the, the working out, man, that's ch- going to change. And I, I know I'm going to, I'm going to feel better once I, once I get that routine in place.
1: Dude, what you just said there, I think one of the biggest, one one of the worst things that we do to ourselves, especially dudes, mm-hmm. is we believe these lies about ourselves, right? Yes. Like, we're like, you know, when you get to our age and everybody's like, oh, I'm still in shape. Like, I used to be able to run a seven-minute mile. It's like, yeah, 27 years mm-hmm. ago, dude. Like, yeah. can you still do that? You know, right. it's the same kind of thing with everybody's like, you know, not everybody but the, the dudes who go to the bar that are like still the tough guys it's like no you're not anymore yeah you know what i mean like yeah there are eight-year-olds out there who are brown belts and brazilian jujitsu jitsu <laughs> who are gonna kick your ass like yeah
0: they'll pull sorry. your knee off
1: yeah this yeah. is this is over but that the the physical fitness thing man and people get people don't want to hear it and i get that yeah but it's undeniable and it's it's really not just uh you know, if, if, if being a better hunter is the, the way you have to frame it up, so you'll stick to it. Sure. That's great. Whatever. You know, like Cameron Haynes says that cause it's the only reason I work out is cause I want to be a better elk hunter. Like bullshit. Like you would, you, you do this for vastly different reasons and they're yeah. great, Yeah. but like whatever, whatever you have to tell yourself, you know, but it's, right. it's really so tied to just enjoying this stuff more, doing it longer and just being better at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. And I'll tell you this, I like, what kind of person are you? And I'll I'll give you an example of the type of person I am. Whenever I am met with an obstacle or, uh, yeah, I'll just use the word obstacle. Whenever I'm met with an obstacle, I have an inner voice. And sometimes that inner voice is out loud and I say it to myself or sometimes I just think it. And I'm just like, Johnson, <laughs> you, you don't do this, you're a pussy. Like... Like I just shit talk myself and that, that eventually motivates me to go do something. Right. Yeah. And, or, or dude, you're a failure. Like you suck. What, what are you doing? Go home, Get, you know, go downstairs watch TV, you, you pussy. You know. And, and so that is, unfortunately, I don't know, maybe I, maybe there's a, a more healthier way to do that, but that is what I do to myself to almost pressure myself into accomplishing whatever I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. I, yeah, I dude, I do the same thing. Like
1: I, I think most people do like, I think most people don't have like tons of self-confidence and feel great about themselves. Like I, I really think most people are like, I suck and I should be better, but there's only so many ways to get better or feel better. Yeah. You know, And once you kind of break through that barrier of taking care of yourself a little bit, like that's one way you can do something for yourself that makes you feel better. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's fleeting, right? You got to do it again tomorrow or the next day or the next day or whatever. But it's like a sort of a leveling agent that we can use for that shit.
0: Yeah. Where do you stand on motivational speeches or people who try to motivate you? I, I I'm starting to see a lot more of it in the hunting space where there's some guy hits the gym and then all of a sudden now he's, he's putting out motivational quotes or he's tied in with, you know, he's like, Oh, you got to hit the rack and you got to do the squats and you got to never quit. And you got to, you know, like what, what's your stance on that?
1: My stance is that if I could hit a button and those people would get attacked by hyenas, I, <laughs> I, but I, maybe I'm not the target audience. Cause I, here here's the thing, like I you know, you want to talk about Cameron Haynes, like think about him whatever you want. That dude has probably saved people's lives by inspiring them to work. Oh up. yeah.
0: And and he's possessed, right? Sure. So yeah, I admire that. I admire too. the the mental strength it takes to say, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna run a marathon. That that you <laughs> yep. have to be mentally strong to do that.
1: Sure. I mean, and and I think that's, like, some people need a person like that to inspire them, and that's great, you know? Uh, I just, you know, we're just individuals, man. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not drawn to that shit. Like, I I kind of think we should keep a lot of stuff mostly personal, and when I see people who are, like, a staged photo where they're lifting a kettlebell or something, I'm yeah. like, don't, please don't. like. Yeah. Please, you know, and it, but that's just me. Like, if there's somebody out there that's looking at that, like, I needed that David Goggins motivation or whatever, sure. Like, that's great. You know, I mean, I, I look at it like, you know, when I quit drinking, I had people tell me, like, if you don't get into a 12-step program, it's never going to stick. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know, man. Like, my motivation is, like, my health and my kids, like – And, you know, I never did the 12-step thing. I didn't find God. I didn't do any of the stuff that a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the path was different. But I realized why people need different things. And so I just – I look at that and I go, just find find what it takes. Like what's – what is your inspiration? But I also see – tied into sort of that mentality of like I'm going to show everybody every one of my workouts and my runs. Obviously, it's like a – there's a level of narcissism there, right? Right. Like they're just – there just is, no matter how much you're trying to inspire people or whatever, you're also showing people how much of a badass you are. And I think there's like a, I don't know, there's there's like some negativity attached to that. Like I think people, I think it's easy to sort of like look at that at the onset and be like, oh, you know, this person runs a marathon a day. Like I want to be like them. Well, you're not going to be like them. And now you might start to resent them. Yeah, And so it's like maybe – sometimes exposure to that sort of like personality is not so great. Or maybe it's just a short term thing and you need to shut that shit off and just keep doing it for yourself. But really like what I see with this stuff is like, it's a, it's like a habit building process and whatever you need to get that habit built, take it, do it, try different things, do whatever you got to do. Cause once it, once you hit a certain point with it, it's like a part of your life that's not going to go away unless you get like a real bad injury or something changes And get like breaking through that barrier is a bitch. But if you do it, your life's going to be a lot
0: better. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about, you know, just doing it. Like you talked about that woman with the edibles and like, how can you talk shit on it unless you've uh, unless you haven't tried it? So, (laughs) Tony, why don't you get on Instagram and start? (laughs) posting your workouts and you know hey man I'm hitting the gym today I'm doing I'm doing quads doing hammies and we're doing back today join me and then go through your entire workout and then make the decision if you don't like it or not uh listen man
1: (laughs) and I'll say because I'm forced (laughs) to post on Instagram for my job yeah and I hate every second of it yeah and I, I hate myself for it. I hate what it represents. I hate how disingenuous that platform or social media in general kind of just makes you be. Like, I hate you can't tell a story there. Like, you can't tell the whole story, right? Right. So you're just like, and, it, it, and it's just like, naturally, you're going to pick what makes you look best. And I hate that. Like, I just, I just hate it. Like, I I... I love podcasts because you can sit there and talk for an hour and explain yourself and people can listen and be like, well, this guy is kind of a dipshit, but I like him or whatever. But when it's like social media, it's just this default mode of like, how awesome can I make myself look? And that drives me freaking crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel Uh, you. My my favorite is when those staged workout pictures (laughs) come with a quote and the quote is them saying it. So, so they, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know what you need to do to officially be quoted, but I think I'm going to start quoting myself more and putting it out on Instagram posts. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what I would, uh, like during the rut, you got to get downwind of the betting areas on South winds, Dan Johnson. And, you know, just some (laughs) dumb shit and and start quoting myself. I think that's, that's what, you know, I want to know if I've made it or not. I think once I start doing that, I'm going to make it.
1: I dude, I love that idea. Okay. I think you should absolutely
0: do that. Yeah. Um, Or the same, just quote myself, but on things that make absolutely no sense. (laughs) Like, of course you want to be a hot dog when the ketchup's for free. I don't know why that is. That's the first thing that popped into my head, but I feel feel like like you've been working on that for a while. No, that just popped into my head. That wasn't even (laughs) written down. That wouldn't, that wasn't, if I was a comic, that was, that was free flow right there.
1: Yeah. You nailed it. I think, um, I think we should test these out first by quoting Mark Kenyon with them. And then, If they stick, then we'll take credit for them ourselves.
0: Right. So let's dig, let's go dig through a whole bunch of Wired to Hunt episodes. No, no,
1: no, no, no. We're just going to make them up.
0: Oh, make them up and then just say they're from Mark Kenyon? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's even better. (laughs) Do you think he could sue us for slander at that point? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free, Mark Kenyon? There you go. There you go. Well, this is about the time where we've run out of ideas to talk about. And so, uh, Tony. as Well,
1: either that or we have to start talking about deer hunting.
0: Yeah. And how boring's that shit?
1: Yeah. Late season? Should yeah. we get on a food source?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yawn. Yawn. Ooh, <laughs> cold temps. Blech. Box blinds. Right? Yep. Hunting pressure. Box
1: blinds. Little buddy heaters.
0: Yep. What else? What else? What are some late season buzzwords? Uh,
1: don't hunt the mornings. Yeah, no mornings. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I have an assignment right now to write uh, how December is your best month to kill a buck. Yeah. And I'm going to have to go back to my editor and be like, I
0: don't believe this. I can't write it. <laughs> hey, have, like, you don't ever, ass- have you ever thought of hiring a ghost writer and then just <laughs> saying it's from Tony? Like, hand me an assignment. I just go off onto some crazy tangent and then, so it's not even about make December your best deer hunting month. It's about like, I don't know, like the quality of Culver's ice cream has changed in the last, whatever, just something like what, Tony, what, what is this? Had had a ghostwriter do it.
1: (laughs) I think I would probably fast track my meteor firing. If I hired a ghostwriter to do my articles.
0: But like you still need to get paid right now, though, right? I still technically need a job. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So your wife doesn't make enough money to support you, support both of you. No. Okay.
1: Which is really selfish of her, if yeah. you think about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I like, having I, I like man, having. I like having you on here.
1: Have some wild turkey and bring that up tonight. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, man, like, let me let me just add you always bring up you always bring up, you know, this factor or you've mentioned it in other podcasts that drinking was a, like was just straight bad for you. I mean, you couldn't control it or handle it or or whatever. I went through a phase like that as well. Right. So, you know, and I've I've talked with guys on here who were I mean, shit, I I did an interview with a guy down south. Uh, He was in Florida and he was addicted. Like He was addicted to crystal meth, I think he said, crack or something. He went to prison for nine years. He he got out of prison and became a better person. And ultimately, what made him become a better person was because he got into bow hunting like deer hunting down in down there and it eventually it, it, it that is what is keeping him from going back into prison right so or or you know that that's his that's his replacement so for smack or whatever the drug is that this guy so kudos to that guy right he, he yep. beat it and so let me ask you this because I, I struggled with drinking for a long time dude am i am i a hundred percent clean. Like I, do I, I still drink? Yes, I still drink, but I do not drink into, to the excess of what I used to back when I was in my early thirties and in, into my twenties. I mean, there's 11 years there where I was going hard. And so my question to you is at what point in that, like in this whole, like of you drinking, did you say to yourself, this is stupid, man, I got to I got I to gotta just quit this.
1: Uh well the the tipping point for me was when I shot a little buck up here in the Twin Cities in December and I was dragging him out and I was so out of shape. Yeah. And I had two babies at home and I was just like sitting there out in this cattail slew in the dark, listening to rush hour traffic, going, I can't I gotta stop. It came I mean, it was it was it was about my kids yeah. mostly. It was like it was like you know, when you don't have kids and you're a hardcore alcoholic, it's like just kind of falls on you and like the little sphere of people around you, but not it's different, yeah, you know, and then when you've got two babies at home, you're like i can't I can't do it anymore like right. this is this is not gonna work and so that was like the tipping point for me, but really, you know, like what happened to me was when I gave it up, I mean, that's part of the reason I talked about working out and shit so much like I will, it was real evident to me that I needed to fill the void with something because I was going to go back. And for me, you know, I mean, we all have these different reasons for doing it. And, you know, like I I really think that addiction is just tied to mental health. Yeah. Like people say, oh, it's genetic, whatever. It's like, I I don't, I I think that the biggest component is us like not being happy and trying to alter our headspace. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's tied to other things too. Like, Oh, I don't think I can sleep without it. Or, you know, like there's a lot of bullshit we play with this stuff. But if you, if you quit and you're like, I got to quit for this reason, like you still have to find ways to like make it. So you stay done. And for me, that was like, if I don't wear my body out, it, which means then my mind is going to follow suit and I'm going to be able to sleep. I'm in trouble. Because yeah. if I'm laying there and I don't feel like I did anything today and I can't sleep, then I'm in freaking trouble. Yeah. But if I go run six miles, like I feel when I go to bed, I'm like I want to go to sleep. Yeah, and it's little shit like I mean, I guess I guess I shouldn't say it's like little, but it's like you you got to make some changes to go along with it to support it. Otherwise, you're gonna just backslide. Yeah, and you know, for me, I'm I'm like a I'm a stubborn prick, man. Like if I say I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. If I say I'm going to figure out how to kill big woods bucks and public land in Northern Wisconsin, I might freaking die trying, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so like when I quit drinking and I told people like, I'm done, done now, I would feel like such a failure if I went back. Yeah. And so it's like just a powerful motivator, I guess.
0: Yeah. Did you ever run into uh, a moment once you said you were done, that you, I don't know, had a drink or a bottle in front of you or or a beer or you were in a public setting where it was like it was in front of you and you either did fall back or you, I mean, because my father-in-law was a, was a severe alcoholic and that son of a bitch quit cold turkey. Then he quit smoking cold turkey. And yeah. I can't, I can just imagine how hard that was. <laughs>
1: You know what? It's weird. So I you know, I talk about this a lot and I have people reach out to me. No nobody reaches out to me about deer hunting advice as much as they reach out to me about quitting drinking advice. It's crazy. Yeah. And what what you realize is like you're scared of like the social implications, right? Like you go to the lake and everybody drinks, but not you now. Yeah. Or you go to like your buddy's hunting shack for a weekend and whatever and everybody's playing poker and you're the only one not drinking, like when you make the decision to quit or you're thinking about it, that's what you think about is like, now I have to explain this to everybody. And it's like a shame thing, yeah. but it didn't, that was easy for me. Yeah. Like that, that part, I, I was scared of it. And I found out really quickly, like, this is really actually not the hard part. The hard part for me was there's two different times when my wife was driving me freaking nuts over something. And like, I would be like, I just want whiskey now. Yeah. Like, please quit nagging me. Or when I would go, like, to, you know, over to Wisconsin to hunt, and i stay at my buddy's cabin, and nobody's there. Yeah. And I could be like, God, I could have a couple beers, and nobody would know. That Those were the two times where I was like, this is where, like, the urge comes in for me. Yeah. And it's weird. Like, neither one of them are when I, what I saw coming, right? And those times were, like, the only times where I was like, like, you better be careful, dude. Like this, this ground that you're on is like not as solid as you think, and those little things are just a reminder of it. And so, it's in it. And, you know, everybody follows like pretty similar pattern with this stuff, or a lot of people do. And you get scared of the wrong things, and you get blindsided by the shit you didn't see coming. Yeah. And you can't, you can't really know till you go through it. But it's just like part of the process, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, I feel you, man. That's like a whole nother episode that we could we could get into and dissect that stuff but I had to uh, like this this sounds crazy but I drove 120 miles and didn't even remember it. And yeah, I was dude. like holy shit dude. You are a piece of shit. <laughs> like that's <laughs> Not that's, good, that's man. no that's stupid. And so um the the little moments like that sprinkled that throughout you know, that 11 years where you're just like, you, you do not have control of this. And, and so I had to go, I had to just, I never really backed off all the way, but I just said, this is enough now. This yep. is like, this is, you don't need any more than this. And so, um, yeah, there's that. Well, but you, you're pretty lucky if
1: the, if you can make that call and stick to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's something worth recognizing about yourself. If you're listening to this and you're like, I wonder if I should maybe hit the brakes. Yeah. Like, a lot of people can't do what you did. Like, a lot of people either have to just stay with it or do what I did, just give it up.
0: Off or on or off. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, I don't know. I, uh, even at, even at, there are times where it's crazy, where I will be sitting in my kitchen and the kids are going to bed and, I've poured myself a glass of like a, a shot of bourbon on ice and I'll go and watch the late news or I'll, or I don't know, sit down and watch a little TV at, at like nine o'clock at night. And it's all, dude, it's almost like that bottle is going all of me, <laughs> like all of it, take all of it, do it all. Like dude, get the warm face, get the good feelings. Let's do it. Come on, let's go. And then, And now it's just like, dude, I wake up in the mornings feeling so much better when, you know, and it's, I don't know. I don't know. That's another, another time, another place. But I think it's awesome to show trials and tribulations and being able to um, show a positive outcome because that can, that honestly relates to all that, not just deer hunting, but all activities in life. And so, man, when, when you know i'll just say as a friend now good for you for for doing that and uh man it just it's good to see the positive, the positive energy come out of all bad things
1: yeah man i thanks i yeah I, I don't know i i was super nervous to talk about it originally yeah because you feel like a total fuck up yeah but after a while, I was like, "Well, I kind of just am. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kind of always have been. Maybe yeah. I should just own it." And then, what you you know, and that, that's something you realize, like when you get to our age, I'm just kind of like, you, you know, you just sort of get over the bullshit and yeah. some of the stuff, and you're just like, most people are kind of struggling, and you know, there aren't very many people who are like consistently super happy but there are people who are working at it yeah. every day and they're doing pretty good, yep. you know? And there are a lot of people who aren't working at it at all. And they're just, they're in a bad place and you know how it is. I mean, I was like, I, I, you know, we have to push these freaking sales for uh meat eater all the time, right? On social media. And of yeah. course, you know, right away, you get a bunch of shitty responses and li- listen, I get it. You know, like I, I understand
0: you sell, I, it out, I understand you. you piece, yeah. You sure, sell it yeah. Out. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, like I saw this one dude, he, his comment on all of us is, you know, here's the first light sale. And it's like, what does he say? Chinese made domestic priced. And I go, you know, I, am like, I bet you posted this on a freaking iPhone. Didn't you? Like, you want to yeah. talk about Chinese made and domestic price? Like why bring that negativity there? Like, why is that a badge of pride for you to post that on everyone's, you know, like feed? Yeah. Like, why? like I, I don't get that. Like, I look at the, like, we had, we just have a choice. Like, you can just bring negativity and be a shithead in the world or not. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, you get, obviously when you do what we do, you get really sensitive to it. Yeah. But I just, I look at this stuff in general and I'm like, we don't need to make things worse. You know, like, we don't we don't need to actively, like, try to make people's days worse. Like, we already have enough problems. Like, it's not, like, you're not doing what you think you are. Like, right. all you're doing is projecting something that bad that you have going on onto everybody else. And you're just bringing everybody down, like, a level for what? Yeah, You're not going to change anything. You know, like, people are still going to try to sell you shit on social media. You're going to, like, it just, it doesn't do any good. I, it right. just drives me crazy.
0: Yep, that's a fact, man. That's a fact. Well, Tony, man, uh, I promised my kids that I was gonna take them to the pizza ranch for lunch. Ooh, (laughs) yeah. And so, there's. You want to
1: talk about no self control? (laughs) (laughs) You ever roll out of a pizza ranch and feel good about yourself? Oh no,
0: no. the The only thing that balances it out is they uh, instead of just the all you can eat pizza, they have a salad bar there. So I can at least eat a salad before I dive in headfirst to, you know, just 10,000 calories of pizza.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I totally get it. That's, I mean, it's total bullshit, but I understand what you're
0: saying. Right, right, right. (laughs) Well, again, Tony, man, you know, we talk about good vibes uh, all the time on this podcast. So I'm sending good vibes your way. And to the rest of the listeners out there, Tony, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and chat with me. Uh, as always, and uh, man, good luck the rest of the season. And we'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Thanks
1: for having me on, buddy.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully, you know, usually after a four-day weekend, we go back to work and it just sucks a big fat one. And so uh, hopefully this episode brought some smiles to your faces. Hopefully, um, you know, you this episode... Brought some smiles to your faces. I just said that twice because I'm blanking here. So I'm just going to end it. I'm going to say huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Punt Stand, Vortex. Huge shout out to Tony. I know that every time he comes on this podcast, um, he's jeopardizing his career and his family. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Tony, for putting yourself on the line to help me make content. I really appreciate that. And uh, last but not least, man, sending big Big, good vibes to all of you, whether you've got it done this year or not, uh, whether you've thrown the arrow or thrown the bullet and you've either missed or you've you've uh, got close, couldn't recover it. Whatever the bad vibes are, I'm sending good vibes your way. So good vibes in, good vibes out. And if you're going to be in a tree, man, wear your damn safety harness. We'll talk to you next time.